Tiffany, what what makes you such a great writer director? I don't look at myself as being great. I look at myself as being determined. And I can if see I that. were to yeah. summarize greatness, it's my determination to to be a creator and to produce content. The the number one thing that I try to do with each project is to consider the artist, the actor and their needs to create compelling characters in my own point of view so that the actor has material to work with. I really think it's about the actor. I've taken acting classes just so that I can relate and connect with the actor so that they're not acting, but they're being in the moment. And so I would say I am determined to get the actor to be in a moment so that we can produce this, this awesome film. Welcome to Josiah's Voice. This podcast connects you with both new storytellers and seasoned pros in black cinema. Plus, I share my own creative journey along the way. Here's to elevating the culture. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Josiah. Welcome to another episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast. Very excited for today's guest. This is a longtime friend, and so I'm really happy to have her on. She writes comics. She writes films. She's mogul mindset, and uh, art and film itself is very fortunate to have her. So we're going to get into her journey uh, with film and art. So I want you guys to help me welcome Tiffany Silver Tucker. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on with you. I am so proud of you and, and what you're producing and creating out here for us to be inspired and learn from. So thank you again for having me on. I'm excited. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're excited. I feel like this has kind of been a couple of years in in the making and finally things have lined up. Let me see. What do I have here first? Um, can you tell the people where you're from or a little bit of just where you grew up and if you had any favorite TV shows or movies growing up? So I grew up in Dell City, which is northern Virginia. But I would say that most of my time was spent in Washington, D.C. I am a Howard University Howard University alum. So I'm excited about that. I always try my best to put that in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud <laughs> to be a, a Howard alum. Love it. So a lot of my time was spent in the Washington, D.C. area, mainly Washington, D.C., and then I moved to Maryland and stayed there for some time. As far as the TV shows that I watched growing up, I'd say mostly The Cosby Show, A Different World, Living Single, such a classic. I love Living Single. I can watch a rerun now and it'll give me that nostalgia of, you know, growing up and wanting to live in a major city. This was this is later on, <laughs> but I feel like I have to mention this because my favorite actress is in this TV show, and that's How to Get Away with Murder. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't condone murder, <laughs> but the 
but just seeing your favorite actress in her first starring TV role is so memorable and the way it was written and directed and, and the ideas and you know the the twist and the turns that came from watching that show I had to add that in there mm-hmm. because I could still watch it today as well and just be in awe with her performance Viola Davis's performance and you know the other actors as well they just put their heart and soul into it and so yeah the Cosby show a different world living single and then later most recently how to get away with murder and in terms of film or a movie i'd say do the right thing oh it's an all-time favorite and yes. there's another one that's a bit dark i believe it's called sling blade i've heard of that I one i don't know if you uh that is billy bob what is his name billy bob thornton is that his name and I'd say the reason why I chose Do the Right Thing is because cinematically it was just so tasteful. Even though the subject was very serious, we're talking about discrimination, we're talking about racism, so on and so forth. There was still some humor behind Do the Right Thing. Yeah. But cinematically it was so gorgeous. I just think Spike Lee is an amazing filmmaker. He's very passionate about his craft. And it's, it's one of those films that I'm most proud of, you know, writing papers around and, you know, breaking down the script and things of that nature. So I would say Do the Right Thing is my favorite film. That's your, would that also be, I have another question here. Is that the best movie you've ever seen? No, it's not the best movie. What's the best I've one you've ever seen? seen? Got me, Josiah. I want to say either a Christopher Nolan film or a Quentin Tarantino film. I'll go with Tarantino because that's your dude. That's your you know, dude. He, his mind is always somewhere else. It's ten steps ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I would say my favorite film would probably be Pulp Fiction. Okay. Yeah. Pulp Fiction taught me to think outside of format because of course his the way he wrote the film the way he directed the film it felt like a mashup the beginning wasn't the actual beginning it was the end if i could remember or somewhere in between his characters are very memorable so i would say pulp fiction is my all-time favorite film that's cool I yeah, Tarantino's been your dude certainly as long as as I've known you. And you're right, his mind is always someplace else. I love how he's such a student and lover of the page. Like I think there are just countless podcasts or YouTube interviews or write ups where he's always kind of just uh, gushing about his love for the written word. How. I think he even admits that he kind of overwrites, but he does that because he's like, well, we're in the stage of writing this new project. This is the time to do it on the first draft, maybe even the second draft. I think I once heard him say, I don't know if you sent it to me or not, but he did once say something like when he does write the first draft, it's all about the page. Yes. Um, He's not really, or at least at that time, whenever he said that, maybe he's changed now. 
but he's not really thinking about the scenes in in that director's mind. He's kind of in the last I thought I heard him say that writer's mind. I always thought that was just such a rich statement. I was like, I should do that and and not think too far ahead and just try to be present. Mm -hmm. That's how I heard what in he the said. Moment. In the moment with the mm -hmm. story, fingers on the keys, pen to paper. I'm like, that's what I need to get to get back to. So absolutely. And he does things his way. He's not thinking about Hollywood. He's not thinking about pleasing his audience or, you know, his peers. He's in the moment with his characters and his stories. And and you can see it when it comes out, you know, mm -hmm. on film. Like he he put I just like that he puts his heart and soul in everything, you know, that he commits to. And that's something Something to learn from, which is why I admire his work so much. It, it may be gory, and there may be a lot of blood and violence involved, and I can't watch too much of it now with a five-year-old, but mm. the passion that he brings to cinema is amazing. Yes, very, very much so. Him and Spike, and you mentioned Viola uh, at the top of everything, like, these are just, these are legends, each in their own yes. right. I remember feeling so proud. This might sound weird, but you got it. I remembered feeling proud, not just of myself. When Remember when I first moved to Los Angeles? And mm -hmm. I think my first gig was with my buddy. I think you guys met him uh, briefly, Zach. Mm -hmm. And he brought me on that L'Oreal commercial. And Viola was on mm -hmm. that whole show. Mm -hmm. I was so proud, not just because I was on it, but because you are the biggest Viola fan I know. And I know plenty. Mm -hmm. I know you know my parents love Viola too, but I was like, I can't wait to tell Tiffany that I was with Auntie Viola. Yes, <laughs> like she yes. she's gonna like it's like Tiffany was there with me or something. Yes. Like I was just it was just really cool for her to see her there and to know that I could run and talk to you and break it down because you know we we want you know how to get away with murder. Or at the time, what what else was out? Like Widows and mm -hmm. just all types of different projects. You know, Suicide Squad, mm -hmm. a lot was happening at that time. Yes, so just, yes. I just love it. Just these these legends. I just like, I love how you broke each one down. They all like break the rules in, in their own way. And they're like, ju they're just so iconic. What inspired you to be a filmmaker in the first place? And then we'll start to get into more of your own work. I'd say growing up, I don't know if I'd share this with you sometime past, but I was actually an actor for a very long time growing up. I did no. stage plays. I didn't yes. girl, I didn't know. <laughs> exclusive. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, I didn't know exclusive. that. I don't share this a lot because I don't, you know, I don't really act as much. You know, I do voiceovers and mm -hmm. I'll get into that, but. My mom actually put me in a lot of stage plays. I think it was a way to keep me out of trouble. So yeah, first, second, third, fourth grade, all the way into middle school, I did some things in high school as well. But I played a lot of like major roles in minor theater, because it was well local theater. I won't say minor, local theater. I performed um, as lead role in the majority of those uh, those performances, I was actually the, the lead character. And so that inspired me to really seek out, you know, film. 
And then when I got to Howard, I decided to move behind the camera. Now I minored in acting and I initially wanted to major in acting, but I believe God and God pushed me to be behind the camera. And I can see why now. I believe, you know, my calling is to be behind the camera, to inspire people, to motivate people. And it's I can do that in front of the camera, but I believe I'm best served behind the camera because there is this thing about working with people and bringing everyone together to create this idea from scratch. And so, yeah, it started with acting that pushed me into film, so stage, acting in theater pushed me towards producing and writing and directing in film. That's awesome. I, I You know I know what you mean about that. Um, I forgot how you just put it, but uh, that team effort, because there's just nothing like being on a set of any kind with a bunch of amazingly talented people all of one mind trying to get this TV show or film or stage play, web series, whatever, off the ground. It's just, it's electrifying. And I'm so blessed yes. to, to have been able to do that in my own right. And so blessed of all the memories we have, Jamal, yeah. you, Jamal, and I, and different teams doing that. And that's, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that your mom had also put you in all the, I, I knew about your modeling, but I didn't know about acting. That's so, that's so cool. And then for you to pivot behind the camera and do so well as a director, as a DP, producer, wow. It's, so, so you know what? Do, do you feel like talking about your early, a few earlier projects? Sure. But, um, the first one we worked on when our, when our uh, good friend, Brother Ernest, DM'd me, he was like, you need to hit up Tiffany. If I remember correctly, it was one of your early films, Self. Isn't that right? Yes. Self you, the movie. Self the movie. Can you talk a little bit, bit about that? Wow. That was over 12 years ago, I believe. I believe we That's filmed crazy. it in 2010. <laughs> the first year Jamal and I were married, we threw wow. ourselves into film. <laughs> yeah. That film is still my baby. I need to go back and watch it because... Even on YouTube, it it gained over 400,000 views. Wow. The film was around bullying and school bullying. And the idea came from both Jamal and myself being bullied in school. And so we wanted to write this film and work on this film to inspire other people about being bullying and, and how it affects everyone long term. So we hired my cousin Van to play the main character. I can't remember his character name, but he dove right into working on this and, and this was actually his first film. And so we as a family, and then our newest family coming in, Josiah and Marcus, just coming together as a family filming this short in our home and around our neighborhood. 
inspired us to really put our all into film. It eventually led to me going to grad school in California and San Francisco to, to be as exact. It, it motivated Jamal and I to sell our home, pack up everything and drive across country to San Francisco, California. And so that first film woke up something inside of me that said, you are a filmmaker. It started as a simple project. We brought on someone with a camera. They taught us how to use the camera. And then that in turn pushed us to buy our own, our very first film camera. Mm-hmm. And so that that film I'll never forget because it had a message that I wanted to convey to the world about bullying in my own way, of course, because there are other films out there about bullying. But it also just ignited something within me to charge me with this responsibility of producing more film. That's really amazing. I remember a lot of the running and gunning. I remember a lot of us like putting costuming together and filming in in your neighborhood and going to different locations and just that kind of you know i like like you said earlier you said like local theater it was kind of like that local film feel of just all the the fan you know your mother-in-law your you know everybody just coming together you know ordering pizza you know all that stuff and you know trying to figure out where things work and Shout out to Van, you know, that that was so cool. That was his first role and, you know, more of your actual family being involved in different ways. Absolutely. That that's really cool. And I'm glad for the gift of what of what that was. Um any other highlights you'd like to talk about? I'll talk about the feature film because that's something that has weighed on me for a while because okay. of course it's not out. I started working on Waging War back in 2012, so 10 years ago. The purpose for creating that film was for grad school. I had begun my thesis early, and at the time I had permission to do a feature-length film. So I thought, okay, maybe this is a good time to do it, you know, because I'm learning in school, I was in directing classes, so on and so forth. and Again, it it taught me how to to run auditions. I believe it was the first time we auditioned. We did oh, wow. we set up auditions in Washington DC in the library. We had extras when we filmed in the club scene. So we had a, you know, we had to navigate through that. I'd never directed a club scene with that many people. It had to be over 50 people. So the, the lesson I learned from filming Wage and War is I can do anything I put my mind to. Now, as far as it coming out, I had to pivot from working on that project to smaller projects for school because the director of my program left. And so when the new director came in, they didn't want any features. And so I then had to pivot and work on six smaller projects for my thesis. And so Waging War just kind of got pushed to the back background because I became busy with other things. And I really still to this day want to see that film come to light. I don't know with the footage that we have, if it's dated, if that makes sense. 
if sure. you know if it requires another look or if I should just when I have time just put it out anyway because of everyone that was involved in this film and everyone's hard work and the passion mm -hmm. that went into it and the late hours and filming in the middle of the night if you could if you right. can remember us filming outside of my house in the cold on top of the U-Haul truck trying to get mm. those shots everyone that was involved in this film you know I I really want wanted this film to come out and it, it just with life and with school I had to make a decision and at the time I didn't know how to handle not being able to to do something at that time and so what film has also done for me is it has matured me. And so mm. you start in, in the infancy stages of film and you kind of grow up with it. And so I've had to grow up and, and make tough decisions and realize even in Hollywood, there are projects that don't see the light of day. And you, you have to be okay with it at times and, and hope for the best and, and, and move forward. And hopefully one day you'll be able to put those projects out that had to be shelved. So I think the biggest thing was just maturing in film. And, and I had to do that quickly with Waging War. But it will always be my first feature. Even if I go on to make other feature films, I'm more so on the TV side of it now, creating series. But that will always be my first love, Waging War. And I'm just so blessed and thankful for everyone that was a part of that film. Yeah, what can you tell the people what, what Waging War is about? Just a sneak peek. So Waging War is based around a father and a husband that is submerged in a series of nightmares that spill out into his everyday life. He has dreams of demons and the way we created these demons, they look more like zombies. And so they were attacking him not only in his sleep, but they were attacking his family life. So they came in and caused division between his wife, um, he and his wife, his child was sick a lot. And so we were trying to create this experimental thriller, if you will, it had some drama to it, of course, from the inside of his mind to the outside of his mind. So that's the basic backdrop of Waging War. Yeah, I'm remembering um, those auditions in the library in DC. I can't remember the name of the library right now, but I can actually see it in my mind's eye. Um, but I remember auditioning for Lucky's character, and I remember, and it went to Demond. But then mm -hmm. I remembered you got I, I some I what were they 15 minute rounds or whatever? Mm -hmm. And if I remember y'all saying it correctly, I like got through the scene. I think it was paced well enough. But something strange happened where there was like a couple minutes to spare. So I had mm -hmm. time to ad lib mm -hmm. and it was very weird, but in a good way where I just, I don't think I distracted Damon or any of the other characters involved. And I just remember you guys just really taking it in. And then mm -hmm. Tiffany called me later um, back when I worked at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> my first job, high school job. And she called me up and you told me the role went to someone else, but that mm -hmm. you guys thought that I should be involved in some way. And you yes. invented a character for me. And I was like, wow, 
you can do that? I didn't know, I didn't know that was possible. So that, that's something that really enriched the, the memory for me. I was like, I did a solid enough job that they thought that they should find a way to include me in what was going on. Absolutely. I'll always remember that. It was really cool. Very honored. <laughs> and the other thing about waging war that I can take away from is the audition because I have a problem with saying no. I want everyone to win. That is my motto. And so I want everyone to be a part of it. I will make up something so someone could be a part of it. And Jamal's mom was in charge of the time because she's very efficient and effective with getting things done. And so this guy showed up to the audition late, like towards the end of the audition. This guy comes out of nowhere from this side closet. And I don't even know how he got into the closet, <laughs> but he came from the closet and he said, yeah, I'm here for the audition. It was either myself or mom that said, I'm sorry, but you're late. And the look on his face, he was like, I'm so sorry. I just, you know, it was just one of those moments where you just have like a tough day and just gotcha. things just start yeah. happening. And yeah. he was unable to make it at, you know, his appointed time. And so that bothered me for the rest of the day. Like I was trying to think of a way to still include him in the film. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, do you want to be in the club scene? And I gave him one line in the club scene. And I felt like I did my job because I I didn't turn him away or I didn't judge him because he was late. Because we always have late moments and we always have to fight to get to a place where we want to be. And so I wanted to use that opportunity to, you know, to tell him like, or to share with him, yes, you were late and yes, you can't audition for the part that you had planned to audition for, but there is still a place for you somewhere. And so I found that place for him. And, and that was me learning to be flexible, me still learning to say no when it requires a no, but also to not be judgmental and to give people grace and mercy as I expect or would hope for grace and mercy as well. And so that was a great takeaway. It was funny in the moment, right. but it was a great <laughs> takeaway for me, you know, long-term, so. That's so beautiful. That team spirit, man, I do, yeah, I hope, you know, God willing, one day in whatever form is most perfect, that waging war sees the light of day because you guys gotta you guys gotta see this okay so that's great um i think that's a good place to take a quick break and then sure. we'll be right back with tiffany and uh more about film and uh we'll get into some comics talk too stay tuned guys want longer episodes before everyone else excited for exclusive vip content or maybe you'd just like to support the show you're in luck Josiah's voice on black filmmaking is now on Patreon. Become a member today at patreon.com slash Josiah's voice. This episode of Josiah's voice podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. 
because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one, download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description and use my promo code. Josiah Voice. J-O-S-I-A-H Voice. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. All right, and we're back with Tiffany. If you can't tell, Tiffany is a major nerd. Major nerd. (laughs) And so we're going to get a little deeper into that. Let's talk about, uh, as I understand it, your first comic book project, Otis Wise. Can you talk about that a little bit, Tiffany? What inspired that? Hopefully I won't get emotional because this story is so personal. But Otis Wise is actually an animation. We started in comics. We'll still produce a comic book series or maybe just one book. But we are working on an animated series that will, for now, air and premiere on YouTube. We are trying to build our own platform, but that's for a later date. But so for right now, it is an animated series. My husband is the executive producer. He is at the head of this. He doesn't like for me to mention it, but he has spearheaded this entire project along with our friend Keon, who lives in the LA area, and his wife. And so Otis Wise began in 2010 with just a concept. My dad, whose name is Otis, we spelled the two differently. My dad's name is spelled O-T-I-S, and Otis Wise, the show, is spelled O-T-U-S, which is named after an owl, Otis the Owl. So my dad, he always had these wise sayings and some of it made sense and other times it did not make sense. And so this thing came to me, you know, in his later years, I should do something to give him a legacy because my dad was a very private man. He did a lot for people, but he always stayed to himself, especially after my mom passed away. And so I wanted to build this this concept around him. Initially, we, my husband and I, created this little owl because I love owls. I think they're mysterious and they're and they feel wise. And you know, you see a lot of those logos in education. And I am an advocate of education, so it just fit well. And when we tried to launch it in 2015 with Clarence, who you know still is a part of. Otis Wise, he is actually playing a, a character. He's voice acting in this. Awesome. We, I think we bit off more than we could chew with the project. We just knew that we wanted to do this animation. and The animation turned into printing t-shirts. And it became too much because it almost felt like a hamster on a wheel. We were just moving. But it, we weren't going anywhere with it. 
So in 2020, I hit a pause on the series and I had to regroup. You know, when you get to that stage in your creative life where you just feel like you just need to try a little here, try a little there, see what sticks and inspires you. And I think there was a lot happening, you know, when we tried to launch the first time. And to, I, I digress, but to get back to your original question, the Otis Wise series is based on my parents, my dad being Otis Wise, and then there's another main character, Gina Cat, in the animated series, and that is after my mom, Regina Silver. And I wanted to tell a story from their teenage years. Of course, I did not see their teenage years because I wasn't around. But using my imagination of how they would have been as teenagers, placing them in a more current environment and just navigating them through society as teenagers and how they would respond to conflict and, and racism and relationships and familiar um, family, family flaws and, you know, divorce parents. And what did that look like? from their point of view. And so that's how we began to build Otis Wise. It's, we're peeking into the lives of these teenagers and their family in society. And how do teenagers cope and navigate and still live and, and grow in such a flawed society? So without me really going into it, I hope that makes sense. Let me know if it does not, but it is a comedy, I will say. It is a comedy. Jamal, my husband, is very funny. Yes, he is. <laughs> he inspires us to just cut up and act a fool when we write the scripts together. Mm -hmm. Season one, I hope I get this right, I believe is a total of 13 episodes. Okay. Love it. We, myself, Jamal, and Keon, we come together just about every week. On Mondays, we had a meeting today. And Wonderful. we talk about all things Otis Wise. We may dive into scripts. We've done um, script analysis where we break down the scripts to really understand our characters more. We talk about marketing and promotion and how we see this thing, how we see this project growing, you know. So it is an exciting project, but the thing that I've done as of recently is not take it as seriously. And what I mean by that is not apply so much pressure. I even on the Otis Wise Instagram profile page, it says something like series coming when we're done with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's just kind of like a way of saying, yeah. we're not gonna put a date on it because that just causes unnecessary stress. And I do mm. believe that we do have a date. It's just right now because we're in production. Right. We don't want to put so much pressure on ourselves. We have families. I'm homeschooling my son. He's in kindergarten now. Mm -hmm. Jamal works. I'm at home, you know, working as a freelancer primarily. Yeah. And so we just take it page by page. And I'm also animating this. And the last time I took an animation class was in undergrad. So now I'm having to retrain myself pacing and, and keyframing and the in-betweens and studying other animations. I think 
our look is more like Japanese anime. Ooh, that's exciting. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's less animation involved Mm -hmm. and it works for us because again, we are learning. And so we're not putting all this pressure on ourselves to now go and take many courses on animation. We want to get this project out. And, And the most important thing about this project is the message. Our main theme is tales never end. That means, you know, we're constantly evolving and telling stories as we live and grow, you know, in this life. And so we want our characters to grow up with us in a sense, we're growing as content creators. And so our characters will grow up with us as we learn new things and and new ideas. And, And this project is just so exciting. I wish you guys could just see some of the visuals. I know, you know, maybe one day I can, you know, come back on. I'm not telling you what to do, Josiah, but oh, yes. to share <laughs> to share some of the the uh, the imagery, you know, and just collaborating with so many people on this project. You know, it's just a one day at a time kind of project for us. Yeah, I, I like you said that because look, no shade, but everyone can't be. Marvel Studios, you know, Kevin Feige knows two years from now, the month, the date, the time. He knows every single auditorium. Okay, <laughs> I'm going right. But it feels like that. It's like, wow, these studios can project yeah. when they think something's coming out. There's still power in coming soon. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. You know, because you're not trying to rush it. You like, guys, look, all of you listening, I've I've been a part of of Otis Wise. I've done a little bit of modeling. Some of my brothers have done modeling. My my parents. I've done writing when it was a, a comic book with with Tiffany and her sister in law. Like just like she was saying, you know, uh, uh, meetups and in trying to break the story. And I've seen Otis Wise go through many different iterations. And I'm not just saying this, and you've heard me, you've heard me say it, Tiff. Yes. I've always been impressed at your like tenacity. You haven't let this go away. Even when you wanted it to, even when mm-hmm. the writer's block, you know I know what that's like. Even mm-hmm. when maybe it felt like other people are better writers or other people are better connected, better funded. A long laundry list of lies as to why it shouldn't exist, right? But sometimes it feels real when it's tough, when you're trying to pioneer something for, for yourself. Um, and I just, I really just applaud you. And I, I also can't wait for people to see more of the apparel, to see the 13 episodes, to see the books. Cause your mind is just, like I said, I've been in the war room before (laughs) with the, with her and her whole family, just brimming with ideas, pulling references from other Mm -hmm. beloved music, or like she mentioned Spike Lee earlier, just all the different things that inform family stories, you know, how your dad used to, you know, may rest in peace, brother Otis. Um, I can see him right, you know, and my favorite thing was when he just be looking out, you know, and just say, good Lord. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what he was, he was in his world, you know, it's mm-hmm. my fault for not being there. But he just, you know, he was a funny character. He, he, was, he was loving. And I just love how he just comes through 
in this owl named Otis. And, you know, also, guys, you have to look forward to. I don't think I get in trouble for this. It's a comedy. There's mm-hmm. some sci-fi fantasy. There's some there's some commentary, you know, and it's just, uh, like I said, brimming with ideas. Tiffany's love of hip hop and yeah. uh, manga and Japanese anime comes in like 90s hip hop, her love for the Fugees, her love for um, who's your other favorite? Most Deaf and just yes, my favorite rapper is Most Deaf. Yes, I just there's and that's just the, I won't say no more. But that's just the t- oh, if you're we do infuse a lot of pop culture. We're inspired by music, and most recently in today's writers' room, we were trying to visualize a scene, and so we literally had to take it all the way back to Bobby Brown. Every little step I take or make or whatever. Wow. And we had to watch the video to get his movement down because in episode two, I would just describe episode two as one big music video. It really isn't a music video, but it's music musically inspired. And so some of the breakdancing and things of that nature in episode two, we're um, we get from his video. And so hopefully we're able to pull off the movement because Jamal actually helped us to even remember because sometimes I can see something that I'm inspired by from the past, but I don't know the name of it. Mm-hmm. And Jamal rolls it off his tongue. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And so we spend time in the writer's room just watching videos. That's beautiful. You know what? Let's speak to that real quick. How has creating uh, films and television in Otis-wise, how has that strengthened your marriage? Well, you definitely mature in marriage as well because you have to be able to separate business from marriage. And so, you know, we live in a Christian home. And so Jamal is the head. I'm submissive, and I know that's a taboo word, but I really do try my best to be submissive and to be led by him. And your collaborators yes. together. Uh, yes. Yes. And so now when you think about content creation, I am at the helm of that. Yeah. <laughs> and so for sure, yeah. there has to be a separation where it's not me just being bossy and talking right. to him in a way that may make him feel uncomfortable. And so I have to adjust But also, too, there has to still be a level of professionalism where we need to get things done. And so when I have a vision, I want to see that vision come to light. So there has to be order. And so we've had to grow and learn how to separate family life from the professional life. And that started back with Self the Movie. Again, we have grown tremendously from trying to be producers as husband and wife then to now being producers, you know, with Otis Wise and with Mm -hmm. other projects, you know, that I can't speak about that we're working on. And it's so amazing. My son even does voice acting, you know, he makes little noises (laughs) that we use, but it really is a family thing. And it just brings me so much joy, you know, to be able to wake up and be creative with, you know, the man that I said, I, I do, a decade ago, over a decade ago, mm-hmm. and us still getting excited. And mm-hmm. one Saturday, I believe it was raining, and we sat and wrote 13 scripts. Wow. This was long before Malachi. Okay. But we just sat there and just one script after 
another, just, you know, bouncing ideas off of one another. And Jamal always has these amazing tell-all stories from the past, way back when, when he, he was a child. And I am big on, if I hear it, I'll ask, can I use that in something? And I'll go and put that <laughs> in one of my stories. And so it works out now that he is leading us, in a sense, with these scripts. He wrote, I believe, the majority of the scripts. It's fun working with him, and you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, He does have other goals and dreams and aspirations that he wants to pursue. And I respect that. And I cheer him on. I want him to pursue them mm -hmm. right now. He feels he should help me and be a part of what I'm doing. And I'm, and I'm so blessed and humbled by him being a part of it. I I love that. And, and I, I know that cause I've, I've seen it like, you know, Guys, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real. No, I've I've seen Tiffany and Jamal have tough times on set. That that's real. You know, it happens. There's miscommunication. There's heads, but you know, I see it this way, or why didn't you? And you gotta. So I I I've seen firsthand them working at you know two heads are better than one. Them figuring out how to be of one mind on something to get the shot. All I do is try to motivate him and, and, and offer up suggestions, you know, and whatever happens, whatever gets out there is our best because we have been putting a lot of effort into these characters and, you know, character development is my thing. And so I have to see it in my head first, feel it in my heart and then put it on paper. And then when I connect with the actor, it's so important for me to see it all come together. And I'm just grateful that all of the actors that are participating in this project, they are definitely bringing these characters to life. And most of them, if not all, this is the first time voice acting. For some of them, this is the first time acting. And it's just important for Jamal and I to be in sync as much as we can, but we're human. For for the others that look up to us or look for us to give them direction, because I feel like we're all on the same playing field. There is no one above, even though I have the, the director's hat, I'm still on the same plane as as an actor. I don't I don't view myself as above and no one is ever beneath me. We are all walking this thing out together. And so, but even as Jamal and I are a husband and wife and we are executive producers with Keon, we still have to mature and just learn to grow together in this and, and give each other grace. I love that. It sounds like um, another way to put it is like best idea wins. Yes. As we've heard, you know, in, in film and in TV, and there are a lot of different ideas and heads involved in the creative process. So long as the best idea wins, you know, it's it's in the best interest of everyone, the creators and the audience to defer to that, to champion that. And I love that I've watched Jamal champion you for for years. You know, he he's, you know, kind of an inspiration uh, to me, you know, to, to to be able to build something like that family wise and creative wise, you know, one day in, in my season. Um, so I just I applaud you both in that because, you know, I've only done half of what y'all have done. I heard tell marriage is not easy. Mm -hmm. I know creep filmmaking is also not easy, but I only know that realm. So I really appreciate, you know, 
how you guys model that to the best of your ability um, as you build this together. You were talking about screenwriting, so we got to mm -hmm. get into that. Okay. What What's one thing you would demystify about screenwriting for somebody? The thing as of late that has just been my motto is forget format and just write. I love it that. Is yeah. so, I've learned that from Tarantino. Too real. I have read several scripts of of his and when you read it, it's it feels like a novel, like you're reading a novel. And he has found the format that works for him. And like you said earlier, he may write 300 pages or more, and then he will collapse it. But it's important for you to find your own groove and work within that and forget format. Even if it's for a moment or the first draft, I spend a lot of my time trying to chase format. And what I mean by that is entering into contests, trying to be accepted in Hollywood. And all it did was created this, this hole in me that said, I'm not good enough. And so I had to step outside of that world and say, you are good enough. You are a great writer. It's your writing just may not be for everyone. And that is okay because I don't write for everyone anyway. I write for myself. There's healing in writing. And so I believe it's just important for, for those who inspire to be a writer or, or are actually writing to just write for yourself and toss format out of the window Get it all out. Whatever is in your mind, get it all out and down on paper. You can always go back later and structure it the way the way it's supposed to be, whatever format or medium you're in. But for the most part, if there was one thing that I would say is F format, and that's as clean as I'm going to get, is <laughs> F format because it will cripple you. It will delay a lot of projects. Yes. You know how many scripts I've started and did not finish because of format? Just because of format. Not because I didn't have the ending. It was because I was so caught up on what everyone else was doing and how they were structuring their scripts and how this sounded and what word they used to describe this. And it, it doesn't matter because most of those words we're not going to even see on screen. Most of those words we won't even see in a book. We just exactly. need to get it out. And so it's so therapeutic to just be organic and live in the moment and write. Just write. That's what I would say. Um, no. So, yeah, and I had to learn that. And the other thing, you know, about being a creator and just producing your work is you don't need permission from anyone else to produce your content. Let's forget about, again, what everyone else is doing. I submitted my films and my scripts and some of my scripts did advance, you know, into well into the contest, but I still felt like I was seeking permission because if I had made it all of the, all the way, like, let's say I won a, a, a contest, I would have probably felt like, okay, now I'm worthy to put this script out or bring this script to life, but I am worthy just because I exist and because I am a child of, of God, I'm worthy because he created me. And so with that mindset, it doesn't matter what other people 
are going to think or whatever their opinion is, because we know social media has a, and the people on social media has a, a big opinion about what other people are doing, except for the, their own stuff. And so I would just say, forget format and don't seek permission. You don't need anyone else's permission to create your content. It is your content. And so those are the two things that I would say just to summarize this. And I hope that it helps someone to just breathe and create, just breathe and create. Whew. Gotta let the dust settle on that one. <laughs> I said, is she preaching? I think she preaching. I, I, I love that because, um, you know, if you guys hadn't picked it up uh, in the earlier parts of the talk, uh, Tiffany, Jamal and I and our families both lived in Los Angeles. Um, there was some overlap. They were in Los Angeles a little bit longer than, than we were. And, and we were doing that thing. You know, we were involved in contests. You know, I worked on commercials and things. And, you know, through all the highs and lows, we both enjoyed our individual journeys. And then we got inspired to try to do something different, to try to go the more independent route. So far, that's that's working. So far, we're we're learning some some things. This is not an indictment on Hollywood or, or anything like that. Oh no! Please, please go uh, where your heart desires. Please go. You know, if Absolutely. you are a believer, you know, if not, it's okay. You know, where God uh, leads you, where your bliss uh, leads you. That is where the writer writing muses lead you. That is very Absolutely. important because I like what you said. You know, from the beginning with Nolan Tarantino, with Viola, with Spike. To you, Tyler, you just mentioned Tyler. A lot of people paving the way. A lot of things looking different because we need to celebrate uh, the independent, uh, more of the independent thinking Absolutely. and independent creators. There's a lot. There's a lot of art and a lot of happiness. A lot of TV. A mm -hmm. lot of films. A lot of theater been created because somebody moved just a little left of center. If you think of anything. Mm -hmm any of your favorite shows or comics or whatever that I've listed off that you're like, that's just got a really special place in my heart. Maybe it mm -hmm. kind of shaped who you are. Maybe someone's style of music shaped who you, whatever. So I love, I love, love, love that you, that you did that, that you went through that, that you took it that way um, as it affected your films. I know it had a major effect on Otis Wise. Oh, yes. If you feel like, you know, this the project that you're working on needs to see the light of day, put it out there and forget what other people say. That's the most thing. That's the thing about creatives. We worry a lot about what others may think. And I think when we ask that from the equation, when we remove it, we feel more free to be ourselves, to, to just escape and be in the moment of our stories. And so if we remove the noise, again, like I said, more amazing projects will come out even on the independent tip because I, I love independent stories. I love independent filmmakers. Same, same. I will run to an independent story in a minute over, you know, some corporation because I just know what it takes for the independent to put out their project with little to no budget. Definitely independent don't, do not dismiss, you know, those small beginnings, those humble beginnings, because when you become, you know, this big sensation, which I always, you know, 
boost people up to if they want to become that you will reflect on those small beginnings and just appreciate the process you know the journey along the way so never dismiss your humble beginnings Ooh, i love that tiffany what what makes you such a great writer director in your opinion what what are your of course it's your opinion what are your what are the qualities that's that equal the summation of you as the best uh writer director you can be honestly i'm not trying to be difficult but i don't look at myself as being great i look at myself as being determined and i can if see I that yeah summarize greatness is my determination to to be a creator and to produce content. The films that, I've, that I'm working on or have worked on, the, the number one thing that I try to do with each project is to consider the artist, the actor and their needs to create compelling characters in my own point of view so that the actor has material to work with, but I really think it's about the actor and of course my crew that works with me, but I've taken acting classes and I've read acting books outside of just being an actor as a kid, but just so that I can relate and connect with the actor so that they're not acting, but they're being in the moment. And so, I would say I am determined to get the actor to be in a moment so that we can produce this, this awesome film. And I just love getting behind and supporting the people that work with me and championing them. That's like my favorite word, to be the best they can be. It's championing behind the actor, I believe, is what makes me a great or determined director and writer because I always have them in mind. I would 100% agree. I've experienced that as one of your actors, as one of your collaborators, as one of your writers. So I can definitely, definitely attest to that. Really quick, what comes first when you're writing? Uh, the story or the character or something else? How do, how do ideas come to you? Don't you love that question? <laughs> Such a great question. The character comes to mind first. I can't. Let me not say I can't. It's hard for me to write a story without the character in mind first. It's almost like a world without humans. It's so important for me to know my character so mm -hmm. well or learn my character enough to then create this world and this story around him or her. And so my process is, who am I writing for? And who am I writing about? And that is the character. Um, I almost feel like just having like this, you know, this blank canvas, like an, like a painter. It's kind of like how I view the character. And I need to somewhat visually be able to see my character before I even start typing or writing on paper. I saw the, the initial Otis long before we started writing. Matter of fact, we put it on, on a t-shirt first. And then I started developing the character. And now that the character has evolved into a human from an animal, I can really see him. I can see his walk. I can see when he's about to lie. And so wow. that helps me 
put yeah. it on paper, like, okay, he's going to lie right here. But that's because I spent weeks and, and, and months just building this character up. It also helps me with directing, with knowing the character, because when I'm speaking with the actor and I'm, and I'm giving them their motivation, it comes from knowing my characters. And so I'd say for me, the best way for me to develop a story is to know my character. That's fire. I love that. Um, what's a message you would give to newbie Tiffany? I'll quote something from Keon, one of the writers of Otis Wise and executive producers. He always says, let's get it done. And I just live by, that's one thing that I live by, just get it done. Let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. You know, let's grow. So let's get it done is something I probably tell myself at a my younger self, because I think it would remove or prevent some of the hurdles of just trying to be perfect and getting something right that doesn't even require for me to be perfect. It just requires for me to show up and get it done. So that would be what I would tell my younger self. That's awesome. Well, Tiffany, we go on and on, but I don't want to take up your whole morning. Um, if y'all been following, I'm, I'm in Africa, so it's evening time, late evening for me. But Tiffany's day is, is just getting started. So I just feel grateful and honored to have been able to host you on the show. This is this is great. No, I'd love if you open to it. I'd love for you to come back. Um, I like how you spoke that out um, earlier. Guys, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. Tiffany, where can people follow you online to keep up with what you're doing and what you've got coming up next? At Otis Wise on all platforms yeah. and that is o-t-u-s as in sam and then wise yes so that's facebook instagram twitter i believe and yep, pinterest I think so. and it will and youtube as well my personal page is my photography page which is weird mm -hmm. we didn't talk about photography but that one is at publicity smoke and i do i love posting in the there i will try to yeah. find funny stuff to post to give people humor and then the last place my best friend and i started a christian clothing line and that is at and i threads and we post mostly there mm -hmm. so those are the three different places that i am participant on as much as i can whether it be through story mm -hmm. or actual posts that's awesome you guys should go check out um the Otis Wise pages, uh, go subscribe on YouTube, go check her out on, on Instagram, also the Adonai threads, a lot of great um, positive messages as, as well. I think there's a little something for everybody there uh, personally, so I invite you to, to, to check it out. Um, and I hope you've been encouraged by this episode with, with Tiffany. It's been, it's been great. It's also been a cool little, little reunion. I can't wait till uh, our families reunite uh, when it's time because we always have a great time both creatively and personally when when we get together and I think this is what it's what it's all about so thank you Tiffany I really appreciate it <laughs> my pleasure I, I had a great time so thanks for having me
You're welcome. Guys, thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this, I welcome you to subscribe. Um, I'm on most listening platforms. And uh, until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. See ya. If you enjoyed that episode, I invite you to subscribe on your favorite listening app. To keep up with the show, you can follow me on Twitter at JosiahDOCX and on Instagram at Josiah's Voice Pod. And if you like my theme music, it's called Brewer B by Mateo. The link is in the description. Thanks again and talk to you later.